I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha. And this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky spooks spooks and Ooh. talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Just a couple of gals talking about horror movies. <laughs> Thanks That's for joining us. us. That's us. That's <laughs> me. Do you remember Ask Ashley on all that? Oh, Just yeah, content. Absolutely. From Amanda Bynes. Mm. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, fantastic. So today is a fun day because we are talking about a movie that we've all seen before. It's a wonderful movie, and it's such a great movie for this podcast to really dig into all the mental health of it all. We're talking about the 2020 science fiction horror film, The Invisible Man. He has figured out a way to be invisible. You know exactly what I'm talking about. He's not dead. I just can't see him. Okay. No, I agree with you. Adrian was brilliant, but it wasn't because of anything he invented. It was how he got in people's heads. You think about it. He came up with the perfect way to torture you even in death. Only thing more brilliant than inventing something that makes you invisible is not inventing it, but making you think he did. He's not dead, Tom. Guys, we've been on a Lee Wanell streak because he directed yeah, this film. And it is based off of the H.G. Wells novel of the same name, which I don't think I realized it was a novel. But I did know this is a remake of the 1933 film of the same name. So this stars our one and only Elizabeth Moss. Aldous Hodge, Storm Reed, Harriet Dyer, Michael Dorman, and Oliver Jackson Cohen. So obviously heavy spoilers for The Invisible Man. All things invisible and unseen and seen things. Look, I'm invisible. And you can't see me. Oh, my God. Jamie, where did you go? What happened? Oh, my God. What happened? Just kidding. It was it was mirrors reflecting you back to yourself, but now I'm here. <laughs> well, to all of our podcast listeners, we are invisible <laughs> podcasts. Uh, podcasts. Well, yeah, you can't see true. us. <laughs> You can only hear our voice. We are the John Cena's of the podcasting. You can't see us. Uh, great. So, Jamie, hit us with those trigger warnings. Oh, boy. Um, this whole Ooh, movie boy. is about intimate partner violence. So very heavy, heavy trigger warnings for, like, all things domestic violence. Um, mm -hmm. There are definitely some insides on the outside um, with stabbing and and shooting and things like that um there is uh i mean references to like anti-anxiety medication um birth control uh pregnancy mm. uh attempted suicide um slicing stabbing 
spooky. Um, there's like physical abuse <laughs> all that things. happens. Um, yeah, yeah all, all things. <laughs> Did I miss anything? It's a doozy. That was a lot. It, it really mm-hmm. is a doozy. Yeah, I don't think you. I don't think you missed anything. But if you are not about uh, partner abuse, like this is not. This is not yeah, very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll get into all of that because even though it is wild and crazy, kids out there, the shots are freaking amazing. Mm. How they do all this stuff. So really excited to hear y'all's opinions on all those things. But before that, producer Brian, please give us some words. Sure. Hi, everybody. Producer Brian here. Um, If you are listening to us on the podcast, hello, but we are also on YouTube. You can find all of our episodes and our faces on YouTube, or if we're invisible, you'll just see blank spaces. Um, (laughs) But uh, we're also doing some more fun stuff on YouTube. It's not just these episodes. We have fun shorts, clips from this episode. We also have countdowns and rankings and things like that uh, that we have on there. So you can check out all of that from, um, from Talking Horror. That's really fun. And uh, then, uh, yeah, that that that's all that I was gonna say there. Also, um, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what else. What else? What else? I don't know. <laughs> what else? What else? <laughs> what else? <laughs> yeah, follow us on YouTube, and then we're on all the social medias. Like uh, we said, Talk Horror Pod, um, uh, TikTok. We are uh, past fifteen k. That's very Woo-hoo! exciting. Oh, um, fantastic. And then, uh, I'm as you all know, I'm obsessed with Letterbox. So you can uh, <laughs> you can follow me at BP five two seven, and I'll also follow uh, Jamie on there. All those links are in our um, description. So if you want to follow us anywhere, it's all down there. You should follow us there. It's super fun. Uh, back to you, Nikisha. All right, guys. Well, should we get into it, or have you had something that you've watched this week that you like to share? Um, what did we watch this week? Let me check my uh, letterbox. <laughs> um, of course. Um, well, we did see the yeah. new. We saw the Mission Impossible movie, and I thought of it because you mentioned letterbox because of the cool thing that happens when you log a that movie on letterbox. Yeah. Well, I also found out. I think it's if you log any Mission Impossible movie. Oh, really? Um, oh. If you review any Mission Impossible movie and hit save on your review, it's your first review for the first time. I hit save. Um, th- there's this marketing integration that happens with it. That is, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but okay. it's really. Co- I'll tell you after. It's really, really cool. It's it it, nice. it, it it it's very interactive and very cool. Like stuff happening on your screen and yeah, exactly. Popping up yeah. everywhere. If you like uh-huh. stuff on your screen, like it's cool. If you like stuff on your screen, boy, oh boy, have <laughs> I got a marketing integration for you? Um, I love that. That was cool. And then we watched um, all of season six of Black Mirror. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still going going through it, mm-hmm. uh, even though there's only like what, five episodes. But mm-hmm. it's been a little hard to watch. But oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it's weird. This season, we'll, we'll probably get into it in the future at some point. Um, mm-hmm. But season five, I will say, I would say half of them, like two and a half of the episodes, feel like a black. No, I think there are only five. No, you said season five. Oh, sorry. Season six, yeah. Okay. Season six, the five episodes, I would mm-hmm. say two and a half of them don't feel like Black Mirror. They just feel like random, um, like horror uh, like segments as opposed to like specifically feeling like a Black Mirror brand. Yeah. 
I feel that. I'm two and a half in. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see. Also, sometimes I look at it and one episode is like an hour and a half and I'm like, I don't have the capacity for that. Yeah, totally, totally. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get to that. Um, Nikisha, did you watch anything else? No, I haven't watched anything else. I'm still living off of my Beyonce high. So, <laughs> oh, sure. Um, just now I'm just following her uh, on TikTok, uh, her other <clears throat> shows and like <clears throat> seeing what her other different outfits are and if she changed her set list or anything mm-hmm. like that. So cool. That's all. I think she was just in Philly. She was. Mm. Yeah. That was her first, like, America stop. So everybody and their mama was there. It was, it looked insane. So I'm happy I was not at that one. The one in Toronto was just fine. Mm. So good things. Well, we got to get into Invisible Man. And we need a plot summary. I think it is my turn. I I think you're right. What's the plot? (laughs) Um, it's been a couple of days since I have watched this, so this is going to be real fun for you guys. <laughs> Just letting you know. I, I'm excited. I'm going to be remembering I think, as I talk about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I think I think I think this one. There are some very specific plot points you need to hit, and everything is just like everything is Elsa's gaslighting. That's still too much pressure, Brian. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. All right. <laughs> well, I'm going to set up the timer. Uh, Wait, okay, yeah. first off, sorry, already, because I just want to call her Elizabeth Moth, but Moss, but her name is Cecilia? Yes, her name is okay, Cecilia. Call her Elizabeth Moss. That's what I, I do. Call her Elizabeth Moss, that's fine. <laughs> you call right. her Elizabeth Moss, the guy from Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Great, uh-huh. okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. And Storm Reed. Cop, <laughs> cop friend and Storm Reed. Yeah. yeah. And Storm Reed. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, cool. All right. Let's get you started. Two minutes and go. We open up with Cecilia, Elizabeth Moss character. She is trying to escape her what we think is abusive husband, which is why she's trying to escape so quietly in the middle of the night in their house that's far away over a cliff somewhere. She ends up being able to get out and get into her sister's car, but not with her husband finding her and knocking on the car door. But then eventually they escape. So she escapes to one of her good friend's house who is a cop and has a daughter. And her sister comes over to the house. She, Elizabeth Moths, uh, eventually tells them like what's going on. She's been abused. She's trying to get away. It's hard for her to even get out of the house because she's still hiding. Eventually, her sister comes over and says, hey, look, he's dead. You don't have to hide anymore. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to start living my life. They have to go to a lawyer, which happens to be her dead husband's brother, who is going to give her money um, because her husband was rich. And uh, so she gets money. Okay, great. And so now... Um, she's in the house. She feels like she's comfortable, but now spooky dooky things are happening. She feels like she's being followed. There's a fire that happens in the kitchen that was out of nowhere. Um, eventually she is trying to seek out if he's still like following her. She feels like he's alive. She goes back to the house, finds that there is a suit, an invisible suit. And she's like, he's still around. You guys believe me. And then when she tries to tell her sister at a restaurant, her sister gets killed. It wasn't her. It was the guy. And so then she gets into a mental asylum eventually she tries to escape but only to go back to the house 20 um, seconds and apparently he faked his death he was alive they meet up again but then she ends up killing him with the invisible suit and lives happily ever after and keeps the suit that's it seven seconds left anything else you want to add 
Oh, gosh. Nope, I can't think of anything. We'll talk about it in Likes and Cripes. <laughs> okay, excellent. All right. Um, fantastic. That's the plot. Something I do want to point out that I think is important to the plot is that they mm. were not married. It was boyfriend, um, so that she wasn't entitled oh. to she wasn't entitled to anything. I think they were just boy like she was just his girlfriend. No, I don't um, think that's true. You, d- well, I, I thought that in the I thought I don't know how the lawyer and stuff was talking about. It seemed like they would they were married. Yeah, because she wouldn't have. Well, the, uh, maybe she wouldn't they, they have legally say, gotten an, anything. Yeah. Well, think. yeah. She, uh, yeah, but he put it in her will. Oh, he in put his, it in, in his, his will, will to give it to her. Nothing mm-hmm. was like earned. I, I don't, I because I think the whole oh. time it just says relationship and stuff like that. I don't know if mm. they were actually married. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I think that's all part research. of it. That like she okay. wasn't tied down like legally to him, but she still couldn't like escape it. Hmm. Yeah, but and everything was in his will to just give to her. Yes, with the caveat that she could not get into legal trouble. Mm. Right. Okay, I feel that. That's even crazier, but <clears throat> we'll get into that mindset. So let's start it off with our first segment of likes and gripes. And now our likes and gripes. Jamie, do you want to go first? Sure. This may this movie. <laughs> this movie, I remember seeing this. This was like I think the last movie that Brian and I saw before the pandemic. The pandemic. Yeah. Um, in theaters, and I distinctly remember watching this film and just feeling so deeply uncomfortable after seeing it. And like we went, I think to a bar after to like process it, and I was just like. I was like, I couldn't, I could not handle this movie in theaters, like sitting there. I just felt so vulnerable and like terrible. And then rewatching it, I was absolutely dreading it. I was like, I don't ever need to see this film again. I was, t- I, it was sufficiently like seared into my brain. And yes. here I am. And the first thing I wrote is, I am deeply uncomfortable. Yes. So uh, yeah. this movie. I, I felt- it's so I it's just the very same effective. Way. It's yeah. very effective. Um, I I will also say that like I myself have have never been in a relationship with intimate partner violence. However, I've done like a significant amount of work with survivors of intimate partner violence, and this movie oh, wow. is like very. I was about to say grounded in reality with the caveat of like, I don't think this suit exists. So I I can't speak on optics, uh, but I can speak on IPV or intimate partner violence. I use that uh, acronym often. Um, Mm -hmm. That like this is uh, Elizabeth Moss plays this so realistically, which is Mm. why it's so it's just like. If anybody, I mean, I also like wouldn't want to recommend this to anybody who is a survivor of IPV or like experiencing it because it feels so real. But it does. If if you are curious about like what that looks like, like this is what it looks like. Um, Just like between the isolation from her support system, um, like both her her partner or ex partner, you know, intentionally. Uh, like keeping her from all the people in her life, like seemingly yes. like she just seemed like she was pretty disconnected from her sister and from her cop friend. But then like 
as she's going through everything, the email that her sister gets that was, you know, not written by her, but it's just like Mm -hmm. another way for her to be disconnected from the people who like love her and care about her, um, which is deeply upsetting. Um, and, uh, what else do I have? I I wrote down all these notes. Um, oh, there was a line, like if you're too stupid to know the good guys and too weak to leave the bad ones, that line really stood out to me. Oh, from her sister? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because again, speaking from like the work that I've done, IPV affects everyone. Like there is no, mm-hmm. there's no like specific target in terms of like socioeconomic status, education, um, yeah. like race, culture, like it, it truly affects everybody. And something that I talk about all the time with folks, cause it still does come up in the work that I do is it's not that you are a bad judge of character. I think that like, that's something that comes up a lot for folks who find themselves in situations and relationships that like are, there's potentially harm involved. Um, and like, you know, people then take that on to feel like, Oh, I'm like, I did something wrong. I should have known better. But like, ultimately if somebody is treating you poorly in the first meeting that you have with them, like you're not going to continue to engage with that person because they've shown you who they are at the start. But the problem with this, it's way more insidious than that. And you're not Mm -hmm. getting that. I know I'm like jumping into like brains, brains right now, but like, it's just so important because like, it's part of why this is so real. It's just like, it's, it's so much more difficult than just like knowing whether or not someone's good or bad, because you're not seeing that part of those people until like the relationship is forming until like you get closer with them. And then it's a lot, it's a lot more challenging to kind of like rectify with more of them revealing themselves because there's still the hope that you'll get the better version of them because you've gotten it. Mm -hmm. And like, that's so, it just, it just all like feeds into like why this is one of the most realistic, uh, representations I feel like. So it's not just, it's not just about like her being dumb or smart. Like she's obviously incredibly smart, but that's not what the, the issue is. Um, yeah. And just to piggyback off of that, just because one of my notes was just um, saying how crazy it is that you can't really know a person for sure until it's too late and your life is already kind mm-hmm. of like in control and, and ruined. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Jamie, it's the, it's a really great point that you say that it doesn't have to do with like race or economic class. Like it really is about the person and, and how they manipulate people. And mm-hmm. you just don't really, um, know that you're being manipulated in that way like this was so intricate and this was so planned out that you just look up one day and even when Elizabeth Moss Moss is explaining it to her sister in the scene of like how did this even start and she was Mm -hmm. like well it was little things like he would tell me what to eat and what to wear and then eventually he would tell me like who I could talk to and where I could go and and what to think yeah and he would like be reading her mind and say like you know I know what you're thinking about and you can never escape me. Like how scary is that feeling to just know that you could be looking at all of the other good things and not think about all of these small little things, but those small things add up so quickly. And, and the added layer of the fact that he was like 
a genius in his field. Mm-hmm. Like yes. the PR and everything surrounding him as like this like forward thinking type of person probably also makes you feel like helpless because the world would probably be against you as well because they see mm-hmm. his value yeah. in society. Oh, he's so successful and like yeah. yeah. As a right. side note, like most see the idea of most CEOs terrifies me because of stuff like this. Like, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. again, being as vague as possible, like you, you have to imagine that there are some like very scary things going on for people to like get to these particular places. Sure. And Mm -hmm. like, it's just something that I think about (laughs) way too often. Um, but anyway, back to the film. Um, yes, Another line that kind of speaks to her experience, she says, like, he makes me feel like I'm the crazy one, which is gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. This is, like, gaslighting, like, 2.0. If Rosemary's Baby is gaslighting version one, one. <laughs> the Invisible mm-hmm. Man is gaslighting, like, times 100. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, So yeah, yeah. it's not just, like, her feeling, like, her questioning her sanity, but also the things that he's doing around her because nobody else can see him and, like, are not on the same page as her in terms of believing that, like, he somehow turned himself invisible. Like, everybody else is also doubting her and having a harder time believing her, which is only feeding into, like, her, you know, feeling like she's being gaslit or just, again, in in this reality of of an invisible suit existing, like, just having Mm -hmm. a harder time getting people to to buy into her beliefs. Um, Yeah. So I also wrote, thank God the dog is safe. That was really stressing me out. Yeah. No, but like truly animals and, and also like babies in Mm -hmm. in these relationship dynamics, like cause significant escalation. Um, Like pregnancy is a, is a huge risk factor like for IPV. Um, so I was, I was like, the, the second they even introduced a dog, I was like, I, ugh, I can't, I can't handle mm, this. Mm, mm, mm. Um, nope, nope. So all of that, all of that really messes me up. Um, we're gonna obviously talk about that restaurant scene, but yes, the thing that I want to say before that, that like also makes me so mad, but it's so good is there's like some lightheartedness at the restaurant. There's like a comedic moment at the restaurant with the waiter coming over and over again, being annoying that like (laughs) brings you this moment of levity. This movie is intense. I like from the jump, I, I, my heart is like beating out of my ass and I am like freaking out because I don't know, you know, what's going to happen. And then you finally get this, like, the briefest of moments of, like, oh, cool. Like, they're letting me relax. Thank God. And then the unthinkable happens. I feel like this is similar to, like, you know, I won't say what it is, but if you have seen Hereditary, then you know. It's, like, Hmm. the unwatchable scene. You can't, you can't. I I was, like, I really don't want to see this part again. Um, Yep. Yep, But, like, shock complete shock seeing this the first time I was so mad and upset because again it's just like not only are you like you know losing people on your side but like now you've literally lost your your biggest ally um Mm -hmm. both in like family but also in like in the legal sense 
Um, because she, like, I guess everybody's a lawyer in this movie, unless you're in, in optics, um, <laughs> or a police <laughs> like, officer. Yeah. So. Um, so, but like, then she loses her sister who also happens to be a lawyer. Who's like her advocate. So it's just yeah. like the isolation is at an all time high, but that scene, it's so good. But like, mm-hmm. I also hate it deeply. Um, and, uh, yeah, the my I, I love this movie's so good, but like please don't make me watch it again. Um yes. <laughs> my only like sort of gripe is when it's revealed that Adrian actually was alive, it doesn't it, it surprises me that more people including the cop friend like aren't more skeptical that he actually somehow is behind all of this mm-hmm. because yes. The whole thing is like, no, he's dead. There's no way that like, like they they confirmed with certainty that he's dead, but now he's alive. Okay, that brings up way more skepticism that nobody else seems to have. It's like that should right. have been the point where people are scrutinizing. Like, wait a minute, like that was really believable that you supposedly were dead, but now you're alive. Like nobody yeah. seems to care. They're just like, oh the, yeah, the brother totally did it. It's also not that big of a leap if you've if if in reality you've introduced this invisible suit, it's not a leap to think that like this person was controlling his brother. Um, and, and especially as a detective, there's that moment when they go back to Tom, the brother, the second time where she kind yes. of like says everything that's bothering her and what's happening and that Tom's in on it. And um, James, the cop, is there. And then Tom yes. says that line where it's like, listen, I hate my brother, too. He controls me. He does this. I'm glad he's gone. Like, you know, uh, half of that is real. Half of that is a, you know, um, a tactic to get everybody on his side as well. But it right. comes, it, I'm assuming, I'm making the inference that that comes from a real place uh, for the character. And James, as a detective, is there. So he should be taking all of this in. And, like, and, and I, that's on my gripe list, list too. Um, that he says um, at the end where she's like, it's still Adrian. He says, like, let's just get you out of trouble. Like, that mm-hmm. scene is weird because he's almost playing it two ways it's almost like edit it's almost like two edits it's it's one edit of two ways he's playing the scene and the first Mm. half of that scene he's very staunchly like i don't like adrian didn't do this like you're still on this like like but then the other half of the scene is like i i i kind of believe you but like you just have to let it go because like you have to still get out of trouble Mm. so I don't know if that's like an editing thing. I don't know if Aldous Hodge, who I love, by the way, I think he's a great yeah, actor, he's wonderful. Um, yeah. like played it two different ways and they edited those two different versions together. But mm-hmm. I completely agree with Jamie that like I needed more clarity from that scene. And if the clarity is that he didn't believe her still, I don't know if that's believable because in the end of the movie, he's like he kind of lets her go because he kind of knows what happened in the room. And like right. he's kind of skeptical and he's ethically struggling with like if they did the right thing or not, even though he didn't know and she kind of kept him in the dark even though he's there like helping her with that stuff mm-hmm, but yes. that doesn't fully connect to the scene beforehand and I think that, and I, that, uh, that that's that's what I had on my list too Jamie mm-hmm. especially because yeah. they're always like yeah we saw the pictures of this person being dead and then they're not dead and then it's just like why wouldn't why wouldn't you just mm-hmm. say okay let me just take one step back and think 
there is another suit. Like he he could still be doing all of these things, mm-hmm. like yeah. in conjunction. But sorry, keep going, Jamie. Yeah, no, that's like pretty much it. I will say the only other scene I, I have mixed feelings on the hospital fight scene um, because, like, on one hand, I think oh, that. It- like, in, yeah, when she's in the, in the hospital, in the hallway, yeah, and then all of the security starts coming, and he's uh, his suit's, like, malfunctioning, so sometimes you see him and sometimes you don't. And I guess, like, <laughs> again, I'm trying really hard to put myself in the situation of, like, if there was a kind of invisible person trying to fight me, how would I handle this situation? Which is really hard to think about. Uh, mm. But, like... He almost seemed like superhuman strengthy in that moment. Sure. And again, it's hard mm. to be like, well, they couldn't see him. So like he kind of could have been running circles around them, which he was, I guess, technically. But like mm-hmm, at yeah. some point it kind of just it felt like all of them lost all instincts, even when they could see him. And like nobody was responding in a way that felt totally accurate. So mm. I have like mixed thoughts on his like super powerful like the hallway fight. Yeah, in that hallway fight, I could have used one or two more reaction shots from the cops being like, what, what's happening here? Like, like confusion to believe that, like, they would be confused by that. And that's why they're being, like, taken out fully. Because um, a couple of the cops felt like, like they got a handle on it and, like, weren't surprised that this was happening. Mm-hmm. So, like, I definitely would have liked more of a, like, a perspective from those cops. Because, um, like, also... To go along with that, if we're talking about that specific hallway scene, like, on what planet are they not pulling the camera from that scene and then seeing somebody, like, half pop up and half not pop up? Mm. Like, like that, right. to me, is, like, that should have been, like, step one to be, like, oh, this w-, Even though she escaped and, like, things happened pretty quickly after that. Um, and so, like, maybe they don't have enough time or whatever. Like, that was definitely something that popped into my head. Yeah. Um... I also have a quote where a cop says, I know how this goes. I didn't specify which cop it was, so I can't remember. But my guess, and I, I and then I wrote wrong in all caps, so I'm trying to decipher what my note means. But what I'm assuming mm. is, like, some kind of judgment from a cop on somebody who's, like, explaining as a survivor of intimate partner violence. And, like, I have a lot of, I have a lot of strong feelings about that, so that probably sure. triggered me, which is mm-hmm. why I wrote that down. But, um, but, again, that's also, like, realistic so you know can't can't be mad but can be mad that that's our reality sure and yeah, that's yeah. uh yeah. that those are my feelings fantastic um i'll piggyback off of that because i would like to bring up how this movie is shot um i agree with everything that jamie said as far as elizabeth moss's performance and movies like this that make me uncomfortable i also watched this movie right before the pandemic it was like my second to last movie i watched before the shutdown happened. Mm-hmm. And you I just saw this remember, in theaters? Yeah, I saw it in theaters, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, and I just remember how intensely I felt the entire time. Um, so I just want to talk about those moments and specifically how some things were shot that just really added to uh, the tension building in this, which I think is glorious and probably one of Lee Wanell's like best directing things. I love the title card off the top, um, just with the water coming and falling and you just seeing the outline of of the the title of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was beautiful. 
some of the jump scares that got me because everything was so silent was when she kicked that dog bowl. Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> also, also because you can see the dog bowl and she can't. So, like, you're, it, it's a, it's such a, that whole opening sequence, Nikisha, you're Fantastic. absolutely right, is just, like, so good. That title card is, like, mm-hmm. sets, not only is, like, you get the storm and the water, but then you get, mm-hmm. like, the reveal of all of that stuff. So it's getting uh, you, like, into yes. that invisibility. Like, it's just, like, an absolute, like, and, and the camera placement in that, oh, man, yes. so good. Yeah. I mean, literally, I just, one of my notes is the tension in this opening scene is chef's kiss. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, no notes at all in how everything was directed, acted, filmed, like, everything. It was great. Um, I also loved when she first steps out, when she's at her friend's house, the cop's house, and she's stepping out to the mailbox. Mm-hmm. And the minute that she puts her foot down, the sound is muddled. Oh, mm-hmm. incredible. It just mm-hmm. like gave me chills like of the, okay, we're in her world. And right now, like how she's feeling is like, I'm just trying to get to this one thing, but there are so many other things around me that you, I can't even take in what's happening outside. Yeah. And so I love the decision that they muddled the sound from the outside because we're really like living in, in her moment. Uh, another thing that it will, it'll always be hard, um, for me to watch the the sister death, like mm. even when I knew it was coming up, it was just mm-hmm. like this is. So, oof, yes, this might be this might be a hot take. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. But I think that that scene in the restaurant is one of the great horror scenes of the past couple of years. Yes, I don't. Mm-hmm. I think it's underrated. I don't think we talk about that scene enough. I think the mm-hmm. movie, like Jamie said, the movie up until that point sets it up, and then the waiter saying, um, uh, "Here we do things differently," and like, like, like the humor and undercutting, like restaurant humor in there at that moment, juxtaposed to how serious the conversation they're about to have is, yeah. and then you get that moment is truly one of the most underrated, like. Uh, horror sequences. Not only the visuals, but the way it makes you feel is Mm -hmm. just like out of this world. And and I I agree with Jamie from before, like definitely on the level of, uh, of um, telephone pole hereditary in a different way. Yeah. And that was a hot take. Absolutely. Cause you're like seeing the sister see the floating knife. Mm -hmm. And then it's all downhill from there. Mm. And how, Elizabeth reacts to it on top of it, just like in her hand. Oh, just genius. Uh, I also love that there's a a few shots that they do in this where they have a full wide shot, right? But something is happening either on like the far right side or the far left side, but it's a full shot of everything. And you're just seeing what's happening like on the sides. I think that happens when um, she's like trying on clothes or something and there's something like happening on the side but mm-hmm. she's over on one side of the screen. Mm. Uh, one of the bigger scenes is when she's in the kitchen and she's cooking breakfast for the morning and so they have the whole shot of the kitchen mm-hmm. but she's yeah. just off to the side on the stove and then walks out of the frame and so we just see like the fire happening and yeah. I, for some reason that, that just made me so happy. I love those well, kinds of shots. Yeah, me yes. too. And I think the exciting thing for me in that is like they are they you are projecting knowing that there's an invisible person in this movie. You are projecting. Mm-hmm. They give you the space to fill in your own blank. 
Yes. And that's yes. and that that's puts great. you in her position, which makes you even more uneasy. And I think Absolutely. this movie does that. I I am in total agreement with you, Nikisha. The movie yeah. not only does that well, but I think expertly does it, which is why I think this is so wi- deeply effective. And also one of my uh, likes, just to piggyback off of what you yep. said about this, is um, this movie never makes you think a that she's crazy or b wrong. You, mm, there's yes. there's there is maybe a two minute segment where you're figuring it out with her, even though you know because you know what this movie is about. If like this is mm-hmm. real or not, but then immediately they have the breath behind her outside, mm. so you That's know literally someone's what's be there. The next thing, yes. So so. So the whole time in this movie, you're filling in the blank, knowing that she is right. This mm-hmm. this movie yes. never never. You, I feel like a lot of these movies have that segment where like, I don't know, is she right or is she wrong? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, right. she's right. This is called the Invisible Man. We don't need to. We don't. We don't need to waste the audience's time with a right. half hour. Is he of invisible? Like, I don't you know. know. Like we know. Like or insult the intelligence of uh, the audience. Yes, yeah. that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yes. totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's great. Um, also, to your point too of of the shots, because it's so. I, I love that you said that because it really is like filling in the blanks. You have this big wide shot, and you're like, "Where is he?" Yeah. You're trying to figure out like what said. Where's he gonna hit to next? And they also do a good job when um, they kind of zoom over to an empty space and oh. stop there. Yes. And then somebody walks into the the frame. Mm-hmm. Cause then you're just like, oh, is like, are, are you putting, is the camera putting you at where he is, but we just don't know. Mm-hmm. And the, and the actor is just walking into the danger. Like yeah. what? It, it's, it's great. Like I could. Apparently that there were a, like a lot of the scenes that like you think she's filming by herself. He actually is there like in the, in the green suit. Cause she like wanted him present oh, as like part of her. Yeah. I, I read That's that amazing. when I was like, I was like, she is doing a really incredible job and like probably is alone for a lot of this. But like for some of those, it was helpful for her to like have the yeah. figure physically present as yeah. like, you know, to add to that anxiety of, like, and like feeling. reaction that yeah. she's having. Oh, that's all. That's good to know. I, I think that, that really comes through, like mm-hmm. in terms Absolutely. of like how man her performance is like top notch in this. It really, movie. yeah. Nobody's half. Uh, everybody in this movie, nobody is half assing it. Mm-hmm. Everyone is no. very like Locked present. In. Yeah, yeah, present, yeah. but invisible. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> invisible. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, two more things, um, and then I'm, I'm done because I, I I don't have any gripes with this movie. Even though your your point of the cop at the end did not believing about Adrian like did make me feel a little bit icky. I still was in it to win it like the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> um so the last thing that I'll say, uh, uh I just lost my spot of what I was going to say. Um oh it was about the breath because mm. oh sure I love that in that scene, sometimes if you get like a jump scare, it'll be accompanied by um, a musical cue, right? Or sure. a sound effect that happens. And I just love that they let it exist as it was of just a breath mm-hmm. happening in silence. Yeah. It's like, this is absolutely <laughs> effective. It doesn't need to be like a whole, Ooh, we see the breath. There's somebody right, there. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, we, we don't need it. We know what's happening. You're, you've already built up such great tension. Mm-hmm. Like just, 
let it, I love that they just let it exist as it was. Mm-hmm. Here is the breath. The audience is obviously seeing it and she's just going back into her house that's quiet and everything is still quiet because I think that adds so much more, um, like we've all said, tension to the piece as opposed to really trying to like force the hand of a jump yeah. scare. Yeah. Uh, last, last, last thing. I, I think that the females are making really great decisions in this movie. Um, to me, every how they operate was believable, uh, even in such a, a crazy circumstance. Even Storm Reed just like fucking macing the invisible person. I was like, well, yeah, yeah. You don't see anybody, but you're like, this is what I have as Something a means is happening. to defend myself. <laughs> Something is happening, and it ended up working. Like to where he for a second was like, you know, couldn't move, and she could kind of like escape or you know get away. Um, so yeah, that's my last thought. It's just that I think that the women are making really good decisions. Um, despite how crazy the circumstances are. Like I mm-hmm. not for one second was like, maybe you shouldn't have done that. Or maybe mm-hmm. you should have like went to this person instead of this. It's like, no, how everything is set up. I, I dig it. So can we, yeah. can we talk about storm Reed for just a moment? She yeah, is silently please. becoming one of my favorite casting additions to horror movies. Um, yeah. I, I like her in general, like in, just as an actress, but like, I feel like she's slowly becoming, not necessarily a scream queen per se, but maybe a horror right. queen because, like, you know, we have, you know, a side character in this, Invisible Man. Then you mm-hmm. have her in Missing, um, and then yes. she's going to be in The Nun too. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, and she was in The Last of Us, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a, a, yes, yes. Yep. Um, so I'm very excited for kind of how she lends her talents to this genre because. Um, yeah, uh, I think she's an absolutely wonderful actress. She also was in that Don't Let Go movie, which I think was like kind of billed as a horror. It's like a oh. science oh. fiction horror where <laughs> I think in the trailer it's like it's something taking place in like a different timeline or something. Yeah. It's like a time-based mm-hmm. thing. Um, but I think that also counts. But yeah, I think she's great. Yeah, I love have loved her since um, Euphoria. Euphoria. She's excellent yeah. in mm-hmm. Euphoria. Um, so I'm really excited to to see her in more stuff. I didn't see Wrinkle in Time, and apparently I'm looking at her I her credit. She was in Twelve Years a Slave, which is my assumption she played like a young version of somebody or mm. had or to have because that was a while back. Yeah, 2013. 2013 yeah. Um, wow. But, she's, uh, yeah. she's only 20 now. Oh, so she was 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure wow. she played. She's only 20. Like yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to shout her Fantastic. out. Um, yeah. I just have well, a, go ahead. Do you yeah. like some crimes, Brian? <laughs> um, I couldn't agree with both of you more about everything. Um, this movie made me so deeply uncomfortable, and I actually mm-hmm. think that it was equally uncomfortable the second time as it was the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, the opening sequence is an all-timer, as Nikisha mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the achievement of this movie for me is that it treats me like an adult the whole time. Yeah, um, I think that's really great. Her performance is great. Some things I love the bandage Im- imagery in the hospital to kind of like as a throwback to the original uh, uh, Invisible Man, where like he bandages himself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, I thought the special effects in this were excellent. Mm-hmm. I never questioned 
sometimes in a very high concept movie like this, if the special effects don't work, then I'm just like, this is silly or like I can't buy into it. Never once did my brain think to itself like, like, oh, I don't believe this. I was very much in it and the special effects helped that. Um, mm-hmm. The waiters, the, 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 that scene is just incredible. The whole restaurant scene. I won't get into it more. Um, yeah. Script wise, inserting the pregnancy thing at her lowest moment was pro- mm. was like this movie is incredible because it uses mundane things if you will to build the tension he steals her portfolio like th- remove the killing the sister part out of it he 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 messes with her portfolio and her ability to find a job for herself and be independent he, i also don't i don't know if i like the word like mundane things I think maybe it's just like less like violent things, yes, that's but what I still, meant but for still a horror like movie. messing yes. with yeah. her. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the, totally right. Not mundane in the sense that like they are trivial or don't matter. They do. Mm. They're just not like pure violence. Like from like what we'd expect from it's, you know, it's still a like movie. psychological abuse and like emotional yeah. abuse, like messing with mm-hmm. her in those ways. Even if he's not like physically violently attacking her in those moments, which we also do get that later on multiple times. But like in the beginning, it is the, that's why I say it's insidious because it's like the stuff that maybe you're not always seeing or paying as much attention to attention to when it's not the explicit violence. (laughs) Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's the building of that. Like she talks about in um, how the relationship got so toxic, it's happening again, like with the portfolio, like with the email mm-hmm. to her sister, like with the mess, finding out that he messed with her um, uh, um, birth, control. Uh, birth control. Like, all of that stuff, while not, oh, like, yeah. outwardly violent, is obviously very nefarious, insidious, like, all of those those words. And to me, those were more effective. Those were more hurtful and made me feel more helpless for her and as an audience mm-hmm. member than any of the violence did. Um, mm-hmm. um, I thought that um, I, have a, I have a couple of questions for you plot-wise um, after I, I, I kind of complete this, but um, I love at the end, in, her, in his house, when she's going to have dinner with him, she knows where all the cameras are because she had been studying them for weeks trying to escape. So she knows where yep. every single camera is in that house, and I appreciated that. Um, mm-hmm. The line, I need you to do this for me, um, definitely got me. And um, I like that she was leaving. I love the bookends of this movie. They both begin and end with her leaving his house under very different circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think it tracks her journey nicely. Um, Even though I don't think she had a ton of character development in this in some ways, because she was always right. It was Mm -hmm. just a matter of people believing her and then finding peace because, like, he can no longer harm her. Um, So Mm -hmm. I I liked, uh, I loved that. Some gripes. There's no way that Tom would just have the crime scene body photos like on his desk, the lawyer. Like, mm. the, the, uh, okay. I don't, hear me out. I don't think the sister and her, I don't think they conveyed a strained enough relationship for the email to be believable. For them not to have a conversation about yeah. it. I don't think yeah, that yeah, they yeah, were yeah. strained enough. There were some mean stuff in there. So it did not stop me from enjoying the movie. I think I'm overly mm-hmm. nitpicking this movie because I like it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that's something. Um, they tried to set it up. I don't think it was strong enough. Because the only time they really. She picked her up. 
great. You, you're already setting that they have a, a relationship there. And then it's like, why haven't you? And then all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, like, you haven't messaged me at all. Like when she rushes into the house and stuff like that. I don't mm-hmm. know. I could have used something a little bit cleaner there. But like, again, that human relationships aren't clean. Um very true. <laughs> I, I mean, record everything. If if I think that he's chasing me, I would have like a body cam on me at that point. You know what I mean? Oh, like wait. something like that. Um, I, I don't believe that James would have been in her interrogation. Um, just as a cop thing, like the friend, I don't think would have actually been in that room interrogating her. Um, oh, my, one of my gripes is the shot and when he when he shoots the person in the knee. Not because it's bad; it's because it makes me feel yucky. Um, uh, the I don't believe that if he hired an interior designer for his house, that the feng shui would have their head to the water in the bed. Like the head of the bed would not be facing the water because I, I my understanding of feng shui, some of it is that heads by windows it sucks your energy out of the room. Um, mm. So that just seems. Uh, I mean, maybe that's symbolic or whatever, but that was something I noticed. Um, and then uh, my last gripe for this movie, The Invisible Man from 2020, is I maybe this is controversial, but I don't like square wine glasses. Um, <laughs> I think that square wine glasses like don't do it for me. I think it's a weird way to swirl. It, it oh, maybe it, maybe it matched the aesthetic, and maybe they're showing that he's a douchey guy, so he has these square I'm wine glasses. That, I, for all you, she picked them out. I don't know. Maybe the interior designer I previously mentioned, whose feng shui was wrong because their head should not be outside facing the um their head in the bed should not be facing mm-hmm. the window um so that's just i don't know uh, I, I, well you I, know what that is brian what is that that's parlor, parlor talk that's parlor talk <laughs> yeah that's a parlor talk that's parlor talk come sit have a drink it's parlor talk <laughs> Yeah, do your parlor what what wine glasses do you have in your parlor? Oh, right. I just I just like I like rounded wine glasses and mm. and, and and that's just Maybe a it's something thing. to do like some wines in a square, like open them up differently. I don't know. Like I don't when know. You swirl it. I just don't aesthetically mm. enjoy them. I'm more of a rounded wine person or something. You're more like. of a traditionalist. Yeah, a traditionalist. I think so. I think so. But yeah, that's just uh, that's where I stand with that. I mean, but then again, it made me hate him more. So like, we're all the same. <laughs> well, there you go. So maybe it's not a gripe at all. As I don't know. Pretentious square glass. Oh yeah. Douchebag. Totally. Douchebag. Maybe I'm the snob. I don't know. I'm dead. (laughs) Um, But I I do have some questions for you before we move into our next segment, if you don't mind. Um, um, In terms of a choice that she made, it seems outrageous or a bad move for her to go to Tom, the brother, the lawyer, and like say what she's thinking. Um, like that whole sequence where she's like, he's still alive. He's invisible. Mm-hmm. Like it, that, I feel like Tom is the wrong person to go to. But then again, like she already went to her cop friend. She went to her cop friend talking about it, but he didn't know what she was going to do when they walked into that room. Um, right. So like, I guess, did you think that was a good move outside of like plot? I think that she was just trying to play on the fact that she probably knows that the brothers also been manipulated Mm. and just try to get him on her side with the idea of like, you know, your brother, like I know your brother, he does this to people like, and he does it to you. So like, we're both kind of victims in this, like, let's work together, like figure it the fuck out 
I can understand why she would go to him for that reason, just to kind of say, like, I know how you feel about him. Like, this is what's happening. Like, look into this. Or at least give me some information of if this could be even remotely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how I feel. Jamie? Yeah, I I agree. Um, my next question is, when did it all change for Adrian? Meaning, like, was this his plan the whole time? And then once she escaped, mm-hmm. like, he had to all of a sudden... Was he always going to throw his brother under the bus? It was a matter of when. Did he always plan mm-hmm. on killing her sister? Or, like, d- or did, like, these... Did his plan have to change on the fly? Because she was a lot more... I don't know, independent, better, like Mm. more like like I don't know what word I'm looking for, but she was more more of a a tough adversary than he thought she was going to be. Yeah. Like Mm. like at what point do you think like his plan changed? And 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 I just wanted to open that up. It's more of an open ended question than it is like a specific question. Yeah, because I thought about this in the moment that it's revealed that she's pregnant I feel like mm. his plan changes because now it's less yeah. about okay. fully destroying her and it's more yes. about like, oh, this is the thing that can get us back together. And yes. like we can just, you know, resume as the like full family now that we're about to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how he like decides to put pressure on her because before it's like no holds bars and he's going to like not only ruin her life, but like, you know, potentially kill her. And then knowing that yeah, she is carrying, around. yeah, yes. Then finding out that she's sure. like carrying a child, I think that that changes for him. Um, but yeah, so that's that's something that I have thought about before. Sure, I agree. That makes the most sense. <laughs> yeah, and but his his in the end, his regardless if she was pregnant or not, his plan the whole entire time was to throw his brother under the bus so that he can come back to life, regardless of what he did with her. I guess. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Mm. Um, because la- why would he stay away after she's right. like done? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last question is, is James, on, on a scale of one to ten, how good is James of a friend? Um, it, 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 there's, I, I feel like that's a very complex layered question mm-hmm. because like Absolutely. he does take her in. He does share things with her. He doesn't believe her a, a, a lot. Um, but also like, in the moment, if you thought that she had hit your daughter, like that's 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 a different scenario. And then he believes her and then he kind of like is trying to manage expectations at the end. So I like like where do you fall on his kind of I think it's an excellent performance, but where do you fall on the character? That's hard because when you put to me, when you put him as a police officer, that is such a different mindset mm. that makes me believe his way of thinking in kind of not believing her sometimes or because his his brain as far as like being a police officer is like hardcore facts what's happening like even though you are my friend and I am taking you in which is nice and good like all of the other stuff that makes us feel kind of icky about him I feel like that's just like police brain and 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 how they operate um as a product of a of a police officer's daughter uh i can understand like that mindset of being like um i i'll try to support you as much as i can but like factually Mm -hmm. i'm looking at all of these things at face value also as a means to be protecting you 
and family. So like, yes, all this other stuff is going around, but like, I'm just trying to make sure that you are, are safe. Uh, and whatever that means, it's like, they're thinking about that first, as opposed to like all the other stuff, Mm -hmm. all the potential stuff that like, this could be happening, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I, all that to say, I think he's trying his best. Sure. As a friend. Jamie, you agree? Yeah. I think like there could probably be a little bit more compassion and empathy in certain moments, especially when she is like panicking and freaking out. Um, I think that there, yeah, like there could be space to be more understanding, even if he's having a hard time believing her that he can at least like empathize with her in that moment. Um, which I don't think he necessarily does. Cause I think he's just like, that's what you're saying isn't real and is more dismissive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I don't think that he's like a terrible friend. I just think that there's definitely room to grow. Sure. Yeah. For um, sure. Oh, and just quickly going back to what was his Adrian's plan. Um, I didn't realize I wrote this down. I think that he was going to take everybody away from her, James, Sydney, her sister, so she'd have to come back to him. But mm-hmm. he stopped because of the pregnancy worked, like Jamie mentioned. So when she mm-hmm. escaped, he went to hurt the others to force her hand even further, something that he may not have pre-planned for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally in the rain, he actually threatens her with the friends. That was mm-hmm. the first time that he actually was like, I'm going to kill or hurt everyone around you so that you come back to me or like we can figure this out with the baby versus everything just being like actions and like her having to figure out her own um yeah um cool i didn't realize i wrote that down very exciting (laughs) nice should we get into mm brains Mm, yes tasty (laughs) all right let's get into it first question that I would like yes, deep dive into the brains, all the guts. Uh, is that, di- oh wow, pronounce it, diazepam, mm-hmm. the medicine that she was supposedly on, is that real? And if yes. not, what were they trying to say that it is? Yes, it is real. This is Valium. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's just. And so, the, what is it supposed to do? Yes, so diazepam or Valium is an anti anxiety medication. Um, so it, uh, like calms down your nervous system, which is why in the beginning you see her with the bottle, um, and checking the water because she drugged Adrian with this. It Mm. makes you sleepy, makes you very Mm. sleepy. Um, so like a lot of it might make you fall asleep. Um, but it's, uh, it falls under the category of like anti-anxiety medications, benzodiazepines, uh, Xanax is also. I was going to ask if common. Xanax was in mm-hmm. that yeah. realm. Okay, um, so if you ever, there was something else that we saw recently, I think, or was it this, where Brian also asked me if that was real. And I think it was also diazepam. But yes, diazepam mm. in movies, I feel like you see that the most without it always being explicitly labeled as Xanax or Valium. And I don't know why they can't use the brand names. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm- my assumption is because it's a brand and they didn't get permission. Sure. But, like, you can use the, like, technical term. Right. So, diazepam, if you see that in movies, it is a real anti-anxiety medication. Work. 
Fantastical. Next question. Uh, we haven't done this in a while, but I would love to Billy or Stu, hey. Adrian, and his brother. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. It's a scream, baby. Billy or Stu. <laughs> What, where do we think that they fall on this, oh, on this list? That's Ooh. smart to include his brother. Also, shout yeah, out yeah, to yeah, the yeah. actor who played his brother because he is in uh, For All Mankind, which is an excellent mm. show, and he was very good in this too. Nice. <laughs> the end. Um, the I end. think that Adrian is the Billy, okay. and I think the brother is the stew because I think Adrian is the mastermind is like mm-hmm. plobbing all of this stuff out and, and then also like abuses his brother. And so he's able to like bring his brother into it too. But I don't think his brother is thinking through all of the like, you know, long-term planning. I think he's just roped into it because he's also under the thumb of his brother. So not really, not really thinking it through, um, but yeah. still a part of it. And so we talk about, like, the Billy being the psychopath, right, and the Stu being the sociopath. So my next question is, I think uh, Elizabeth Moss calls Adrian a narcissist sociopath. Mm. Do you agree with that, then, if we are placing Adrian in the psychopath category? Um. I, I mean, I think I still agree because there's so, like, the overlap is really similar. And also, like, okay. from a diagnostic standpoint, like, these are two, these are, like, two separate personality disorders, like, narcissistic personality disorder and, um, and then, antisocial personality disorder. Um, yes. But that's not to say that there aren't, like, characteristics that people can have. So, like, I'm not going to necessarily diagnose him, although he probably does have antisocial personality disorder. Uh, mm-hmm. He, I mean, I think like, again, going into him being this like high, uh, this high level person in the field of optics, like he, mm-hmm. he probably has a huge ego. And like, I think part of this too is thinking that he can get away with this. Like the idea of even yeah. doing this to begin with there has to be this level of like your ego is so big that you think that you can successfully go through this whole thing without getting caught. Hmm. And like that, that's narcissism. So like just the fact that he like thought up any of the, even we're talking about the plan changing, but like that he had this plan to begin with, that's, Mm -hmm. that's definitely narcissistic. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and my last question, and we kind of already touched on this, but I would love to get some specific specifics from you. The best way to support someone who is coming out of an abusive relationship, and we've already talked about the cop friend, but what are some ways do you think that either he could have been more supportive or in general someone who, if they come to you needing help to get out, like how can they show that support? I mean, for me, like, the number one thing is, like, remove all judgment. Like, there's nothing Mm. that will have somebody feel unsafe talking to you about their experience with intimate partner violence faster than if they feel like you're judging them. Because it goes back into, like, I think a lot of what is internalized about, like, oh, like, 
you know, it's, it's my fault and I'm to blame and like taking on that, like, I like I'm the victim and like, but I did this and I play the role. Like, no, like you, it's all about power and control. And so like you can, you can help provide like psychoeducation on power and control. And like, there's, there are literal diagrams about the cycle of abuse um, where mm-hmm. it starts out as like sweet and like the honeymoon stage, but then like tension starts to build and it feels like you're walking on eggshells around that person. And then there's like an inciting incident, like some kind of blow up. And then it goes back into like apologizing and the honeymoon stuff where it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like here, I'll never do that again. And then it just keeps going endlessly. Um, mm. but like, it's, it's so complicated that there has to be so much empathy and compassion when talking about this, because again, like if somebody feels like you're judging them, that's part of why the isolation is happening because it's, it's not just that the, the abusive partner is removing you from your support system, but also a lot of times, like, you know, what I find is that the family and friends of, of folks who are experiencing these relationships, like without having this, this understanding of what this can look like, there is Mm -hmm. a lot of, of judgment or like sometimes even blame that is being put on folks who are being victimized in these relationships. And so that's why it's so important to like educate yourself about all of these things that again, even if it's not physical violence, there are so many other things that are perpetuating violence and abuse in intimate partner relationships. It does not always have to be physically violent for it to be causing harm. And, Absolutely. and knowing that allows you to have more empathy and compassion, which I think helps yeah. provide the best type of support. It's just being there and and giving people autonomy and the agency to make decisions for themselves mm-hmm. because like it's not easy to walk away. Sometimes folks have to remove themselves from these relationships multiple times before they are ever able to like fully get out. It's it's really hard. I know we were talking about the the marriage of it all too, whether or not they're yeah. married, like with or without that, that adds another layer of making it super complicated. If you have kids, right. that adds a right. whole nother layer of making it super complicated to leave. It's really, really, really hard to leave. It is not easy. That is like the first myth about intimate partner violence. It is not easy to walk away. So yeah. be as as open and non-judgmental as you can be so that you're best able to support somebody. Absolutely. Great answer. Love it. Here for it. So uh, that's all I have for uh, brains section. Do we want to move on to Rotten Tomatoes? Let's rotten do to Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten to Mountain. Rotten to Mountain. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. Okay, what do you think the Invisible Man has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, Nikisha, why don't we start with you? 92. Oh, wow. Jamie? You took mine. You took mine. Um, <gasps> no way. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 97. But you were both going to say 92? Yeah. Because it's 92! What? <gasps> Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I knew it. 
I knew it in my bones. So the intuition. Yeah, I the certain them bones. <laughs> them bones. Them bones. <laughs> um, so ninety-two percent critics consensus is smart, well acted, and above all, scary. The Invisible Man proves that sometimes the classic source material for a fresh reboot can be hiding in plain sight. Ooh. Um, okay. And it has an audience score of eighty-eight percent. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Um, totally great. Yeah. All Ooh, right. Cute. Should we do the four S's? Uh, yeah. Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> All right. We are here with the four S's, which are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. This is where we will break down uh, skulls, how well it handles mental health and human behavior, one through ten. Scares, how scary was it, one through ten. And then shakes, how much are you going to shake this movie off, um, one through ten. And then we'll go through our suggestions. But let's start with Jamie. Jamie, what are your three of the four S's? Sure. So for skulls, I gave this an eight. Um, because again, I think this is like a pretty accurate portrayal of somebody who is escaping from an abusive partner. Um, I think it's more about like the people around that bother me more and maybe it's bothering me because it's probably real and that is upsetting to me, but I do think there are some moments where I'm just like, well, why are, why are you thinking this way? I, it it Mm. makes me mad. Um, for scares, I'm giving this a seven, um, because like I said, this movie made me poop out my heart and, uh, just be full on panicking for the entire movie. Um, so deeply uncomfortable. Yay. Mm-hmm. Even without all the like jump scary things. Cause again, it's like, we know that he's there. When is she going to figure it out? When's everyone else going to figure it out? Like, I hate that I know this. Mm -hmm. Why can't I help? Um, Right. It's very unsettling. Um, For Shakes, I also gave this a seven. It's just such a standout film for so many reasons, but like it really, the effectiveness of it all really stays with you. Again, mm-hmm. I've only watched this film twice now, and I feel good. I, I don't know if I can watch it again because the the degree of anxiety that I get, you know, just comes back immediately. So it's it is a impactful film. Cool, Nikisha. Yeah, skulls. I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, people are peopling for sure. Scares is an eight because of the tension, and. Shakes, I'm going to give it a 10. At first, I was going to give it like eights across the board, but I was like, no, this movie is great. I'm going to give it a 10. Sure. Um, I am giving this a nine for Skulls. I'm giving it a seven for Scares, and I'm giving it a nine for Shakes. This is is a great movie. This is a unforgettable, effective movie. And here's another thing that I will say. I think that this is one of the all-time great horror movie remakes. Mm. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think that, like, you can easily pair this with um, the Evil Dead remake, the Dawn of the Dead remake, mm-hmm. um, a lot of those. This is this is an exceptional example of taking a source material and adapting it to a contemporary lens um, while still keeping a lot of the mystery and excitement from the original kind of concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
That's great. So, so on that, I'll go into my suggestion because I use that. Um, this is a very different type of movie. But if you love Universal Monsters and you want a good Universal Monster movie um, adaptation, uh, The Mummy, baby. Brendan Fraser. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Oh, that movie's so good. I wouldn't consider it's that reboot so a horror movie. Like to me, that that is like an action adventure reboot. No, uh, but it's still like a very solid re like reboot <laughs> yeah, of remake. the yes. original. Totally. Horror icons. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I'll go. I have a couple. So if you want women escaping abusive relationships watch enough with jennifer lopez i hate that, love movie. that movie i love it so much <laughs> whoa i, I don't know that. <laughs> oh, my. oh my god i hate it so much <laughs> i watched it so much as a kid i think it's more nostalgia too but i just mm-hmm. i'm i love it um <laughs> it's just so crazy uh also there's a tv show that's um, wonderful speaking on emotional abuse mm. and someone not being able to get out of that, and it's called The Maid. It's on Netflix, mm. and um, oh, with um, Margaret Qualley. Mm-hmm. I guess that's her name. Yes, I I just know her face. I don't know her sure. name, but she's done. She was in um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, uh-huh. that movie. she's uh, it's yes. Andy McDowell's mm-hmm. daughter. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, she was also but it's called on, The Maid. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I never got to that, but I hear it's pretty intense. Very intense, mm, cool. but very well acted. And it, uh, just speaking on this emotional abuse, if you can stomach it, it's sure. a really beautiful TV show. Um, and, of course, Rosemary's Baby. And, of course, The Lodge, just for, like, not mm. believing women and then, like, crazy shit happening. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Also, Jamie? Yeah, I have too. I, I I realize like yeah, I can't watch for me personally. I'm I'm I can't watch IPV in horror anymore or like mm-hmm. any any of it. Um so I really steer clear, but one movie that came to mind when I was thinking about the recommendation was Gerald's Game. Um oh, yeah. where there are some references. Mm-hmm. Um so I'll throw that out there. I also love Carla Fugino. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, for another movie that you're watching and there is like gaslighting happening and a lot of intense anxiety building up that you're like, where, when's he going to figure it out? Uh, creep. Sure. Mm. Nice. Sure. I haven't seen the sequel. I'd like to watch that. Mm, same. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, put it. Put it on the list. Yeah. We can do a Creep 1 and Creep 2 episode, like combine the two. Creep crop. We oh, can do nice. like a creepy episode. A creep out. Grand. Creep out. Okay, well, I think that wraps up our episode of The Invisible Man. You can follow us on all the social medias, the TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, threads, at Talk Horror Pod. <laughs> <laughs> Not salty about it all. There's so many social I things. Know. I just can't keep up with the things. But we're on there. Brian is doing all the great things with that at Talk Horror Pod. And Brian, where can they listen to us? Sure. You can listen to us wherever you get podcasts. So that's things like Spotify and, of course, Apple Podcasts. Um, You can also go on YouTube and watch the podcasts. Um, But rate and review us everywhere possible. Uh, Five stars, please. And thank you. Yeah. 
I don't know what a good way to end oh, this. It's such a serious. I wrote a quote down. I don't. I mean, uh, Nick, uh, it's going to be serious, but I think it's an interesting one. Um, yeah. uh, he said. Uh, um, the the quote was uh, I forget who said it in the movie maybe her sister um, he needs you and you don't need him nobody has left him before mm. Mm. I thought that was mm-hmm. a really great line to explain a lot of what's happening without like being too heavy handed about it it was just a clean line if that makes sense yeah I think the brother said that yeah in, in mm. is that the mm-hmm. top, the brother said that yeah yep. he's also yeah. mm-hmm. uh, the brother's also in a great horror movie called Triangle. Um, if you've never seen mm-hmm. it, um, real good. Separate from Triangle of Sadness. Separate from difference. Triangle <laughs> of Sadness, correct. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Well, we'll leave it at that. Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye. Bye. Surprise. Oh, yeah, we didn't oh, even God, talk surprise. about that. Surprise. <laughs> Very effective use of that word. Very. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. oh, we didn't even talk about the Yucky. cell phone in the attic sequence. That was incredible. Oh yeah, that was so good. There's, it's just so, <laughs> good. so good. Everyone and, watched this yes. film, and then she drops Everyone the paint on him. Like that. Yeah. Yes. Oh no, man, great. So good. Oh, we could talk another. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>